Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. The government does what it can to guarantee a win in tomorrow night's vote, where a motion by Sinn Féin seeks to extend the eviction ban. The Taoiseach stands by the decision. You're also saying that we should extend it until January um, because you believe that things can be made fundamentally different in such a short period. Um, the truth is it would probably just make matters worse then than they are now. You sound to me like somebody who has thrown in the towel and thrown renters to the wolves. You don't actually believe that these things can be solved, but they can. The latest IPCC climate report says it's a survival guide for humanity. Will its message be the one that finally hits home? And later, cases of norovirus are up almost four times on last year. We discuss why and how to avoid infection. You can join our conversation online with your comments and your questions on the hashtag tonight, VMTV. It all hangs in the balance as politicians take sides ahead of tomorrow's vote to extend the eviction ban. The government is doing what it can to drum up support, now saying they will take on board the amendments suggested by the independents. In their counter motion, the government offers a range of proposals, giving tenants the first right of refusal, payment of half if a tenant defaults, and a cost rental backstop to name but a few, but will it be enough to secure a winning margin? Well, here to discuss is Assistant Professor of Social Policy in Maynooth University, Dr Rory Hearn, Fianna Fáil Spokesperson on Housing, Senator Mary Fitzpatrick, and Independent TD, Verona Murphy. You're all very welcome along to the programme tonight. Um, I want to come to you first, Verona, because you are fresh from that dull debate. We heard the snippets there from what the Taoiseach had to say and in turn what leader of Sinn Féin, Mary Lou MacDonald, um, what her party's argument is on extending this eviction ban. You had your own list of amendments. You're outlining your list of demands to government to, to get the, your vote of approval. So does the government response and this set of promises that they've put out today contain enough to get your support? Well, let me just first say that neither of these motions will do anything for the supply of housing, which is the issue here. What we have are our main political parties, both in government and in opposition, playing on people's vulnerabilities. And I, because we both know, and we all know, that even if any of these motions are passed, they have no bearing, they are not binding. So they will do nothing for the supply of housing. We will still have homelessness. We will still have a ban on evictions. So I think, and it's only no fault evictions. So the problem here is that we have many evictions outside of the no fault evictions. We have a lot of people homeless mm -hmm. outside of this making them homeless. What was put forward by government, uh, we're not entirely happy in the regional group. Um, we did have eight asks. 
They haven't been implemented in the way of which we would like. Government has said they will accept our amendment and we will put, we push that to a vote. That will happen tomorrow. But we will meet. I have requested a meeting with the minister and I expect that that will happen tomorrow. But we are a technical group and I think it's important to say that we will be deciding, possibly collectively, but also it may be on an individual basis. But there is no decision at this point. So you haven't made a decision. We no are decision. hearing reported tonight that and the I think that was likely a misunderstanding. to get it over, over the line. Tell I think, me why well, it was a well, misunderstanding. It was a misunderstanding because we did not speak to the minister. I requested whilst making my statement that we had a meeting with the Minister Darrell O'Brien, a further meeting with the Minister and the Minister for Finance. Because ultimately, I want to see these things. I want to probably see it in writing. You know, we can't have motions making fools of people and abusing vulnerabilities because that's what we have here. We need housing delivered. We need housing supply. Right. And we, we don't see what we asked for in this motion. So it's not a done deal it as far as you're concerned tonight? No. Okay, on the issue of, of rising homelessness and your biggest concern, you say, is about people losing their homes. In your own constituency in Wexford, you say evictions are a huge issue. Do you believe then that lifting the eviction ban will worsen that? Notwithstanding what you're saying about politics being played here with the big issue, do you well, believe that lifting the eviction ban will make this, this matter worse? And Claire, I don't mean to correct you. I have never said that evictions are a huge issue in County Wexford. Housing is a huge issue for the country as well as County Wexford. Housing supply. I have many people who aren't entitled to social housing who won't be accommodated by emergency so accommodation. So there, there's no one coming to you worried now there about being absolutely are, from but, their homes but they're not going to be covered them. by this van. That's the point. This is a no-fault evictions. I know lots of landlords who are quite happy with their tenants who are not looking to sell. The premise here is housing supply. This is what we should be discussing. We have spent three weeks discussing in the media whether or not we should, whether we should prolong. A, a non-constitutional, my legal advice is it would be unconstitutional, instead of discussing the delivery of housing. And that's where I am most focused. For three years, mm. we have made suggestions. Much of what we gave to the government on Thursday oh, right. was there three years ago. We wouldn't okay. be in this position had they implemented well, it Well, arguably now it is in the spotlight and it's on the list in of demands correct. and maybe but those, it's, this is those amendments motion. get listened I mean, this to. Is where the posture comes, but we have right. to understand it's okay. a motion of no consequence. Okay, uh, Mary Fitzpatrick, um, I'm sure on a political level, we can see it that government is under severe pressure to resolve the rising homeless figures, and they have this set of plans. Will the homework now be done to figure out how many tenancies will be secured as a result of these measures that the government is bringing forward? Look, the government's priority is on increasing uh, housing supply. That is what the government has committed to. Um, I'm just talking specifically now if we are looking at, at what's being put forward as a countermeasure from government. Have, so, you, have you figured out how many people that's going to save from eviction? So the, the motion is just political theatrics. That is what it is from start to finish. The government didn't put down this motion. The government is having to respond to it. Mm. But what the government is focused on is increasing supply. And that is what it is determined to do. We have had the biggest increase in homes um, in, in over a decade, 30,000 homes built last year. And in terms, of, in, in terms of the measures that have been taken during the winter ban that was in place, there were an additional 7,000 social homes delivered. There were 1,000 
individuals and families exited homelessness. In terms of the measures that we are proposing to continue with this year, the additional 10,000 social homes that will be built, the 6,000 affordable homes. Yeah. All, all of that. I'm just talking about Absolutely. these specific measures if you're talking about the tenant in situ scheme which yeah. you want to see um, which ramped is working, up. Which is the working rental, and has delivered The cost already. rental backstop where you yeah. want to see councils move in, yeah. buy the house, rent it back to the tenant yeah. and then first refusal. Okay. All of those things. Have you done them? Has government done the maths yeah. to see how many people that is going to keep in their homes as we know that evictions are looming yeah. for people. So already uh, a minimum of 1,500 um, individuals and families will be accommodated through the tenant in situ. That's happening. We had the local authorities in today to the Joint Oireachtas Committee on Housing. They were able to explain to us how already and tenant okay. in situ is one just, element. Well, but, I think but, you'll but, find in the doll earlier in the, there's during a big gap the between debate reality and the doll chamber. The local, there is a big the local gap government between, debate I, I, said the local government actually said that the tenant in situ scheme wasn't working. Okay, so can I respond to that? Because I think it is a really important point. We had today the CCMA, which represents the 31 local authorities, into the Joint Oireachtas Committee on Housing. They were able to provide facts and figures, not political sound bites, not political narrative, but actual facts and figures on the number of individuals and families who have avoided, not only have they avoided homelessness, but they actually now have a permanent home. And that's the big difference that we're making. We're not actually just preventing so, homelessness, we're actually creating okay. new homes and saving right. people in, you know, into secure homes that were forever. Right. Let's let's look at that because a lot of what we're hearing is a lot of red tape around while all these measures sound good, the tenant in situ scheme and, and all these various measures to keep people with a roof over their heads, um, Rory, that when it comes down to it, there's a lag, there's red tape. It's not happening quickly enough. Mary's shaking her head. What are you hearing on the ground? Well, what I'm hearing on the ground is that there are tenants and renters across this country who are living in absolute terror about what is going to happen in the coming days. They are going to be evicted from their homes come a week and a half's time with nowhere to go to. There is no emergency accommodation. That's not true. It is true. That's not there true, are 17 right? local authorities who have said they have no emergency accommodation available. Where are families in those places? I'm contacted by people from Galway, by people from Cork, where county councils have said, we do not have emergency accommodation for families. And what have and they told I, those people the, who, are, who are facing eviction when they've been told there's no emergency accommodation? What options have they been given? They're being told, come back when you're evicted and we'll see what we can do then. Some people, we know in certain parts of the country, there are waiting lists for emergency accommodation. And the scale of this is what really angers me that the government may, had no evidence on the... They had no evidence. You asked, Mary, where, how many people are going to be um, stopped from going into homelessness? How many people are going to be protected mm -hmm. from these measures? They don't have the figures. They'd made no assessment of how many people would be evicted into homelessness as a result of this measure. The measures they're talking about, the mitigation measures, none of those are in place properly. The tenant in situ scheme is starting to work. The local authorities have said, Dublin City Council said itself, 
that it is not in a position to ramp up the delivery. It will take time. I'm sorry, Claire. Um, so but I'm, that's, I'm asking Mary, Council, then, I, I, where are they going to go? Okay, okay. Like, this Mary, is scaremongering. You... I think it's really unfair. It's not scaremongering. No, no, one second, Rory. I didn't interrupt you. Rory, I didn't interrupt you. I didn't interrupt you. And saying, where are we going to go? Okay, Rory, Mary, would you like to respond I would like to respond, because I think it's a really important issue. Rory, I share your fear and I share your anger. Well, then why aren't you voting against the the it is that is a meaningless motion. It's not meaningless. It is meaningless. It is it's, actually, it's not meaningless for may the I respond? Yeah, Mary, I think it's really just on that Claire. very point yeah. that you, you were saying that councils are in a position mm -hmm. to act now. They Absolutely. are in a, uh, in a position to stop. stop it's not me saying this. It's the All local right. authorities are saying it. The Have CCMA, you got that assurance now that these measures record, that are being turned around or ramped up or whatever way we want to call it are actually going to very quickly have positive consequences for yeah. people who are facing eviction so, in the coming weeks. So the local authorities themselves are saying this. The local authorities attended the Joint Oireachtas Committee on Housing today. It's there on the public record. It's on the internet if anybody wants to watch their testimony. Not my words. Don't take a politician's words. Listen to the public officials who are dealing with people every day. What they said was is that they are in a position. Tenant in situ is one solution. It isn't the only solution. HAP. 160, 170 new HAP tenancies being created every week. Homeless HAP is available. They are working with HAP place finders where they're working with landlords to place. I'm not suggesting, nobody is denying that this isn't a crisis. This is. That's why we are... Well, what, this, is mean, why, how, this is why we are committed to solving it, to uh, 20 billion is being spent on this... 200 million but a year in homelessness prevention. And what we've done now in these additional measures is actually provide for the first time to renters additional security where they're not going to be okay. renting, where they'll actually own their own home. Right. That's something that, that I think we should all be supporting. And I really hope the independents will support it too. I think, Mary, okay, what Verona, you need I'll... to understand is for three years since this government has been formed, I've been asking for reform of planning policy and process. There isn't a mention of it. Mm. I've been promised guidelines, I've been promised sight of guidelines from Minister O'Brien for months now. There isn't a sight of them. It takes 20 weeks to build a house, 20 weeks to build a three-bed semi-detached house. It takes two years to get the planning permission without any difficulty. That's extended to four years and maybe seven should we end up with judicial review and on board penalty. Is that the, re the reality is sec, that if second, you can please. build a house in 20 weeks, why are we not declaring a housing emergency, streamlining that process in a way that we can grant planning? We have 70,000 outstanding planners, planning grants. The issue is viability now because of the length of the process. Is that in your list of, of, of amendments the, and demands? That's been in, no, it's not, because that's not a short-term solution. Right, we OK, have so you have short-term solution. So you've split it into, into two. No, this is the, no we in, haven't. This is this something is the immediate I have been dealing with. To, to solve the immediate eviction crisis. To, 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 the, the immediate eviction crisis is not going to be solved. This motion is meaningless. The Taoiseach has stated today, even if the motion passes, they're moving on with the eviction ban. That's it. Does that give an but, indication but, of what way you're going to vote that no, you will vote with? No, it does not. I am absolutely... It makes no difference. I, it, if you think what Sinn Féin is doing uh, makes no odds. Our constant... It, this is posturing. And Sinn Féin should know better and the government should know better. Yeah. We are dealing with that, people's vulnerabilities. On one, just on playing politics and, and, and 
people's vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. As an independent TD, mm -hmm. you're holding out and not saying what way you're going to vote. We have a list of your colleagues in the Dáil and they say, haven't decided, going to have this discussion, even at this point, where we have the amendments and we have the government saying, yes, we'll listen to what you, you are going to say and we will go along with that. You're still not saying where you're at and there's a list of demands attached to your vote there with are. the government. And there's so it's not playing politics no, with the, no, it's, with the no, big issue that's affecting not. We are the only group who have constructively put that's forward right. solutions to increase housing in the very short term. Solutions, Claire, that are very important. We have several people who could okay. offer housing who need to keep their medical card, who need to keep sure. their fuel allowance. Okay. But, but right. if, now, this is typical of the media who don't want to hear about the solutions. They just want to concentrate. Well, I, well, I think everyone now, in fairness, Verona, is very interested in the, the solutions point. and very we're interested in the fixing a motion that will have no it. impact if the measures are well, implemented and if they are given okay. an, if, an undertaking. If, if, if this motion does not pass, it does have an impact, surely. It politically has an impact. If the and there's a, vote, there's a potential vote of no confidence in the government correct. coming down the line from Next Labour. Week. Does that not yes. have an impact? Does of that course. not have potential consequences politically? For the government? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, well, oh, that's, that's have an another impact. week okay. away and it's another Oh, that's another decision. week away. Okay, um, Rory, on all of this, look, people will be watching going, you know, theatrics, others, whatever you want to call it, there's a lot of exchanges in the doll, and when it comes down to it, people are still concerned and they're still worried on these measures that are being introduced and are being talked about and are now the focus of, of such attention. Will they, do you believe, make a difference and go some way, even though some of them may take time, they won't happen overnight, towards helping the situation? They could, absolutely. And the point you make there, they won't happen overnight. The government itself accepts that. These are going to take time to be put in place, to have an impact. Many tenants aren't even aware of the tenant in situ scheme. Landlords are approaching local authorities saying, we want to sell our property, we don't want to evict the tenant. But the local authority says, well, we're not sure is that person on the waiting list, we need to investigate. Okay. The system is not in place. All right. Let's so my point, no, hang on, hang on. I want to make this point really clear. The government accepts itself. It doesn't have all the mitigation measures in place. It is putting them in place. So why not extend it for another year? I have not heard any serious argument saying, why not extend it for another year? The only argument I've heard is that, well, we have to end it at some point. Well, if you have to end it at some point, why not end it in a year's time when you have the measures in place? When you right. avoid the, what Father Peter McVeary described as this wave of human misery that is going to be caused. Yeah, many people may ask that it is great that we're getting these, you know, clearly pointed out plan and a sort of timeline around it's how quickly place. these structures are in place. And that's all well and good. Mm -hmm. But while that will take time, and we know some of these things like the, um, you know, ability of a tenant to buy the home, that, that will require legislation. And that won't come on stream for a matter of months, even with all the it's, speed and urgency it's around It's the affordable it. cost, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but there, the, but there the, is the first. No, no, there is the first. Um, right of first refusal. You right of first yeah, refusal, yeah. and that does require legislation. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so that's not that might be announced today. But it's one element. It's, it's, it's one element. Okay, it's I mean, a big element bigger, though for someone who would actually well, like to stay in the absolutely. home. Absolutely, and that's why we're doing it because it's important so, that we give people on that Rory's opportunity. Point, yeah, on I, Rory's point, these measures they sound good while they are being implemented. Is there a case to keep the eviction ban in place for another number of months? 
There isn't because it will actually only store up the problem and it will compound the problem. How? How? The ban was a temporary ban. It was always meant to lapse at the end of this month. We need certainty in our rental sector. We need confidence in our rental sector. There have been 19,000 new tenancies created since the ban was introduced. There's been 7,000 additional social homes. Social, are, are the rental so sector... So build on that so, so, is the so, argument. So it's, well, it's, it's a, we, that, that momentum we need to continue to build on. But we need to not just hold on to the uh, rental uh, tenancies that we have in place. We need to increase them. That's what we're committed to doing. And if we start having knee-jerk reactions, if we start chopping and changing policy, that creates more uncertainty. It actually creates so, more risk. So just one second, so Rory. I just want to finish this point. For? Because it's, we're making for it for investor funds, the renters. For the investor funds who lobbied? Yeah. And you smile. I, sm was, I laugh. I laugh at that. I'm not laughing. No, it's for the landlords, it's right. It is right. You were no, 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 let, let, let me respond to that. Absolutely. Let's be clear. The landlords. No, no, no. This narrative. This is the narrative actually that has, in many ways, driven small landlords out of. The rental sector. This narrative from from Rory, from Rory, from Rory, from Rory and his comrades and the social workers, workers they have they have demonised. They that? have abs No, you have Rory. You've demonised and vilified small landlords. There's a hundred. I'm not in any political party. You, you oh, ran for been, people before profit, for Rory. You ran for What's people before profit. But the point is, is this. There's a I just like to clarify, Mary, that Rory Hearn is on here tonight as a housing activist, as someone who's a lecturer, assistant professor from a new university. Twenty years ago, which which is what point, which is what relevance. It is, I, I, you talk about playing politics. Like it's, that is, what's political politics value about? To what is political about right. what I'm My saying? point is this, my point what is this. What is political? It is an indisputable fact that 20,000 small landlords have left the rental sector in the last three years. They are okay, people we'll, who owned okay. less than two rental properties. They, every one of those tenancies were people that we care about, okay. Rory. People that you care about, people Rory, that no, I care about. Rory. And that's what we need to accept. Okay. We need to accept right. that a big part of our homelessness is being caused by landlords selling up. And okay, we need because to the state is very reliant on the private landlord sector. So I want to ask you, Rory, the reality being that if we are reliant and we do need a strong, we need a rental sector. We do need a rental sector because not everyone will necessarily want to own a home, that there is a place for it for workers who may not want to live here long term, for people who may want to rent in one, one place for a period of time and then find a home that is maybe more suitable for them long term. And because we are, whether we like it or not, reliant on a private rental sector, then we have to work with them as well, work with private property owners well, as well. The point here. is that we're in this crisis because of our over-dependence on private landlords. Government policy over the last Sorry, 30, can you let on, Rory finish over the last here. 30 years has been about sourcing social housing through private landlords. We have 60,000 households in receipt of the housing assistance payment who are being housed by private landlords. Private landlords are receiving close to a billion a year from the state. State has created this policy where we're dependent. The way forward is not to have a greater dependency mm -hmm. on people mm -hmm. who decide to invest or not in housing as an investment asset. The future is to provide more social housing and affordable housing that people can buy. Is and there a need? We agree on that. Is there a need? Sorry, hang on, hang on, sorry. Within that, is there a need for a private rental market? But our private rental market who, who, is much, much who bigger. That? We used to have less than 10% of our households living in the private rental sector. We have this huge jump in the last 15 years because people haven't been able to afford to buy a home. 
and because we've, as I said, turned um, the private rental into social housing. The future of housing is affordable housing people can buy and social housing, but am I Absolutely. Of really the decision yeah. was the decision really was made yeah. to incentivise landlords to come back in, and <clears> you're saying you made a decision on the basis of incentivising. No, you said it yourself on the basis of incentivising landlords. When actually, what we to need to do is ensure to people. But that's not you're about. To, you're so, making decisions which is putting people in homelessness. Okay, Corona, I want to get you in here. I think, you think this, this problem. This problem was created a long time ago when apparently the planning policy that was developed was that we would we would actually rent homes rather than buy them. That was, that's the European model. It was decided by our chief planners that that was the model we were going to follow. Subsequently, government stopped building social housing. We went to the... We have cuckoo funds that we gave tax breaks to. We now have people who are suffering the effects in the private rental market of interest rates. The cuckoo funds are no longer there to invest because the interest rates don't make it viable for them. And we have people who are landlords, whether it be it accidental, whether it be for their pension, who are now unable to pay their mortgage due to interest rates. Some of them have to sell their properties. Not all of them want to get rid of their tenants or will incur no-fault evictions. It is simple. We do not... Government have failed to supply the housing market, which has led to an over-dependence on the rental market. We now Is don't have... To, we now have a viability issue with building. To, to flip that then, instead of providing more incentives for, say, new private landlords to come into a system. The thing is, we need care. a rental That's market. We, there is nothing... Sorry, Mary, just for one second. There is nothing from government that says they will actually look after landlords to keep them in the market. Our proposal okay. is that they would give them a tax break in the budget, but that would take effect of this year. Are we not getting a tax break in absolutely. the budget? So there's there's two tax I'm sorry, there's no, really there is nothing points. that says it will be taking this year into account. Okay. It says it will be brought forward in the budget, All right. but it could be for next year. We're putting, okay. for, we're putting The state is putting four billion a year into increasing social and affordable ho housing, and that's a state-led approach, 20 billion. You haven't committed. been able to spend that's, it. That's, actually, no, hold on a second, Verona. Last year was the biggest social housing delivery since 1975. That wouldn't be hard. Verona, Verona since 1975. Built, no. we, we are delivering more social homes than have been delivered in over a decade, and I... And you're about and, and to evict families into homelessness. No, actually, Roy, yes, that's, you very, are. that's very it's inaccurate. Not, you are about to that make is an a decision that is one of the cruelest decisions decision. a government nope. has ever, ever made in this country, that which is, is knowingly... No government, I think knowingly, no government, no government, no government, no government. People are going to be made no homeless. No can you agree with that? No. Yes? Sorry. Uh, Rory, you no government. Sorry, I'm just going to have to start you. Mary, if you'd like... Mary, if you'd like to come into that, what we have heard, I suppose we've heard it from, um, it's a, it's a really briefly, we've heard toxic, it from the opposition narrative. as well, and we're hearing it tonight yeah. from Rory, that the move is cruel and calculated. What's the government response to that? That, that I absolutely refute it. It's a toxic, false narrative that the government is uh, handing out evictions. That's absolutely incorrect, and it's a false presentation. But Rory. by lifting and you the know, ban, you know, you know you people know, will be made you, homeless. I mean, when would you okay. lift it, Rory? When would you lift it? I'll tell you what you do. I put the measures in place to prevent homelessness. It's really important. from becoming We are unfortunately that's what we're committed to doing. It's really important just to say landlords are not responsible for homelessness. The government are. OK, well, we'll leave it there on that uh, note. But, of course, this will be the subject um, of the all discussion and um, 
a crucial vote tomorrow. So there will be much more on that. Um, we're going to leave our conversation there for now, but my panel will be staying on with me after the break. The latest climate report, a survival guide for humanity. But is the issue a priority at all? Welcome back. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Across the water, former U.S. President Donald Trump has claimed he is set to be arrested over an alleged hush money payment to adult film star Stormy Daniels. For the latest on this, I'm joined uh, by U.S. correspondent Sally Patterson. Uh, thanks for joining us, Sally. Uh, bring us up to date about, about the background to this latest legal drama involving, yet again involving, uh, the former President Donald Trump. Well, this is an ongoing investigation into whether the former president, Donald Trump, did give his permission for money to be paid to adult movie star Stormy Daniels way back in the 2016 presidential election. Now, his then lawyer uh, was uh, is accused of giving money to Stormy Daniels, who said that she has an affair with the former president, and which he denies. And she is accused... His team is accused of giving her money to basically keep quiet. Now, that in itself isn't a crime. What is being investigated is how that was then filed on his presidential campaign paperwork. It was filed as a legal expense rather than something else. And the uh, Manhattan district attorney is investigating whether that broke campaign rules. And so that's what's been going on over the past few months. And it came to a head right here in New York City when it was uh, put out on Donald Trump's own social media platform, Truth Social, that he was going to be arrested on Tuesday and he told his supporters to get out and protest and, quote, take back our nation. OK, so on this, and he claims he's likely to be arrested, uh, is that realistic? Will he be? Or is this another uh, publicity drive from Donald Trump? Well, it's coming up, it's just after half past 6 p.m. here in New York City, and we haven't seen an indictment yet, nor an arrest, so it's very unlikely to take place today. We're also hearing from experts that there is an indication that this is what's going to happen on Tuesday. Uh, that didn't stop his team from putting out messages saying that actually it's unlikely to happen at all, despite the messages that we saw going out on his social media. However, what we did see was crowds of supporters gathering in New York City early, and I went to speak 
speak to some of them to understand why they come out in numbers to support pre the former president. And what they said is that he was, this was a smear campaign. They said that this was all a political agenda uh, ahead of the 2024 presidential election, which Donald Trump has announced he will be running in, of course. And we did see numbers of people uh, coming out with signs, protesting, and there were security concerns around the city, as well as in Washington, D.C., because of what we saw in 2021 with the storming of Capitol okay. Hill. And so there were more police out and about on in New York today. All right. OK, we'll have to see where all of that goes. Um, Sally Patterson in New York, thank you for bringing us up to date on that story. Now, the latest report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change says what is required now is a quantum leap in climate action by all countries in all sectors. But as this report gives us yet another final warning, is there uh, the public or political will to make those necessary changes? Well, Rory, Mary and Verona are still here with me in studio. I'm also now joined by journalist John Gibbons. John, you're very welcome along to the panel tonight. Let's talk about this climate report after climate report. We've heard this is our last chance. This is our time to act. What makes this particular report uh, different? I think probably what makes it different really is the, the, the sense of alarm that comes through in the report, I think is at a, a level that we haven't seen before. They said specifically, for example, that, that compared to AR5, the type of damages that we're heading into, climate damages, are far more severe than were previously understood. So essentially, on all the, if you like, indicators that matter here, uh, basically everything is pointing in the wrong direction. And the kind of rail lines, the safe lines, if you like, uh, 1.5 degrees centigrade, for example, this is the plus 1.5, um, we're heading rapidly towards and through 1.5. Beyond 1.5, we're basically heading into a climate really outside of the experience of, of human civilization and also a climate system that's unlikely to be able, for example, to support our current global food production system. Uh, it strikes me, um, and it was the, an article you wrote in today's Examiner, you say at the start of every disaster movie, there is a scientist being ignored. Do you believe that's still what's happening now? I think so. I think the, the, the evidence here has been piled up for 30 years. We've got 30 years uh, and six intergovernmental panel reports. These, just for the record, these are the largest scientific collaborations in human history. These involve thousands of scientists across dozens of, of disciplines working together, drawing together thousands of papers. So these are massive scientific reports. These are not, you know, just, just somebody's opinion. This is the synthesis of the very best science that we have. And what that's basically telling us is that, as I say, that we're, all the indications are in the wrong direction. And yes, those scientists are indeed being ignored because, and the reality here is that this is what the report said yesterday. They said that we require, quote, rapid and far-reaching transitions across all sectors and systems necessary to achieve deep and sustained emissions. Now, Claire, what that means is we have to change almost everything about how we travel, how we live, uh, that whether or not we drive, uh, aviation, our food systems, livestock, everything has to change. Now, as soon as you say that, the politicians to my right will say, hang on, if I bring that message to the public, they're going to say, no dice. And if I try to sell that message to the public, they kick me out of the next election. So we have this paradox where we, we say we want to act. 
Yesterday, for example, on the day this report was released, uh, one of our local authorities basically threw out a plan to simply bring uh, a, a uh, bicycle lane to a local school because it might inconvenience somebody in a car. Now, as long as we continue to be locked in that mindset, we're going nowhere on okay. climate action. OK. I just noticed when you said all the politicians <coughs> to my right and we had two instant head shakes there. So there's disagreement among the panel already on this, even though, look, let's explore that a little bit because, and Vron, I want to come to you on this. And we know that green issues, you know, they do prove to be unpopular in many rural areas. What the Green TDs put forward and what we hear from Eamon Ryan and what we hear what needs to be done on climate action and sectoral targets, there's always an awful lot of pushback. Um, and you are at the forefront of expressing that as well. Yeah, and let me tell you why. We currently see in the media um, a, a plan to actually expand Dublin Port in the middle of a city which is already congested, where NOx emissions are higher than anywhere in the country, and yet we're saying that we can't have cows in the middle of the open uh, field in the country. We're going to reduce cows. Why are we expanding Dublin Port? Is that a green issue? Is that an issue to do with climate change? Why would we create emissions in an already NOx emission, uh, as the EPA says, uh, it's extremely congested? We don't have that issue in the country. So the problem is that all of the things that Eamon Ryan has put forward have an adverse impact greater than that for the cities in okay. rural Ireland. So you're Ireland. talking about city versus countryside. Now, what John Gibbons has to say... Actually, it's not what no, John, no, what has John to say, said. What John just said was I am wondering about this. We would not what be the UN report, what the IPCC key report saying is we're now at the stage that we are... Trying to survive. Right. Yeah, and if you survive, look at it, if you and look we need at it to fast track that, all, the, all these matters. So, do you think money. there's a lack of political will? Now, money aside and all of this, on the general well, issue of political will, Claire, is there an interest? You can't say money aside because most people in rural Ireland, John, are depending on fossil fuel transport, be it a car with petrol or diesel. We don't have public transport. Rural, 67% of Wexford's population lives in rural Ireland. They need cars to get to school, to get to work, to, to go to mass, to go to the shop. We need cars. In trucks, we actually don't have any viable alternative to fossil fuel. So it's, I understand that we need to take action. We have to have a just transition or people okay. won't only be homeless, they won't be eating because it'll become um, unaffordable. So, Claire, can I just say... Mary, I, have you read this report, this I IPCC read, No, report. I haven't read all of it. I, it's dealing with all housing issues, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, and do you think that's and, kind no, of no, at no, the nub of it as well? No, and I just want I to please, ask you this, yeah. that we, we, we did, and there is an awful lot of, of interest and it is to the forefront of the agenda right now, the housing issue, because it is a housing crisis. Do you think when it comes to the climate crisis mm. that it, it's... No, it's, it's not one or the other. Absolutely not. And it's intrinsic. It's Solving one can help solve the other. Solving our housing crisis by building more sustainable homes, by using modern technologies, by reducing the carbon footprint of our built environment, all of that can contribute to our climate action. I absolutely agree with John. At the IPCC report, it is the equivalent of if your viewers were sitting in their home watching this programme now and the alarm was going off in their kitchen. What it's saying to you is, is get up out of your seat and find out what's going on in the kitchen. That's what the IPCC report is saying to okay. each and every one of so, us. And it's really important. John, I agree with you 100%. And Verona, you know what? There is a cost. But guess what? 
there is a much bigger cost of doing nothing. We can't afford to keep going but the way no we're going. No, well, actually, nothing. I'm sorry, right. that's what there I'm hearing. There has to be just transition. Need, and that's you... why we have our Climate Action Bill. This is the first time ever there has been legislative Which we've binding targets. You know what? We have to meet it. We All don't right. have an option. You know what I, I we just, have to well, reduce I, our energy. John, briefly, we I have to come back to John on this. Yeah. What, what you're hearing now from the two politicians mm. that you kind of questioned whether there was the political will there or the interest, um, from what you're hearing, do you believe um, that it is there, that it is high on the agenda and it's something that can be addressed notwithstanding uh, the present challenges and some of the grievances at a local level? Yeah, I think we need to start from the premise that basically... To use a simple analogy, we're, we're in a boat, there's a hole in the boat. And what we're doing, instead of bailing out the boat and fixing the hole, we're arguing that the other guy there isn't doing his share and this person there is, is doing something else, whether it's in China or whether it's in, 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 in some, some other place. This is what's going on. We're all in the boat together. We need to fix this boat. If this goes down, all our future goes with it. And, and really, it's, it's impossible to overstate this. So people who say, for example, it's expensive, right? There is no money on a dead planet. And we're heading directly for a planet incapable of supporting very much human life at all, and particularly incapable of supporting food systems. So, so when, when Verona says you're worried about cutting the herd, there will not be a herd Okay, in and an uninhabitable talking, because planet. it does come down to a cost issue and people are in fear of their livelihoods if, if big changes, notwithstanding the fact that, you know, you and others would say there needs to be a change of mindset. So is this more state intervention? Really pump the money in at state level and stop relying on personal responsibility and people to pay their own way out of this in order to meet what are, you know, global targets? Yeah, I think, for example, it's, it's reckoned that for a full climate response, which is, a, by the way, the biggest challenge humans have taken, undertaken probably in, in a century. Now, for us to meet that, about 20% of that challenge can be done by us as individuals. 80% roughly is at government level, it's policy level. That means, for example, we make the decisions that change these structures. So, for example, aviation is ridiculously cheap. That requires government intervention with taxation to make sure that aviation pays well, for the damage that it does. The minister is flying first class to China. I mean, that does send a message. It sends a message to those who are trying to make a living by milking cows who are being told you have to have a cow per acre, but your minister that's telling you that is going to fly first class to China All where right. they the actually have set up two coal factories, okay. two ge um, uh, electricity generators. And Verona, you're, you're making my point here. What you're really I saying is we, we all go down together, but right? Okay. I mean, do you think, I, I do you think that government ministers shouldn't travel? No, but we Verona. have a nitrates directive That's that has served I... only one purpose, Claire. This is really important. One purpose. And it is to ensure that the price of leasing land is driven okay. up in the All sky. Right. And okay. it's not I see having what, any impact on emissions. I, I see what you're saying on behalf of, of people, certainly um, in rural areas and, and who are concerned for their livelihoods. Rory, on this, when it comes to climate action, do you think there's an inequality between those who have the finances to retrofit, those who can afford to buy an electric car? That is actually an expensive thing. And if it's being, if it's being made that it's up to the individual to do... Um, it's a, it's, there's an inequality at the heart of it. Absolutely there is. And I think that the issue is that the scale of change, um, as John talked about, that is required to meet our climate targets, to try and avoid the climate emergency, is so significant that 
the idea behind our climate action plan is largely, it's redundant in the sense that it does place all the responsibility largely on the individual. I give the example of the retrofitting of homes. The most of the money that's supposed to pay for retrofitting, which is, you know, putting insulation in, making it energy efficient, is supposed to come from private individuals. But if you can't afford to retrofit your home, then you're left paying the higher costs. And then if we look at, for example, the social housing retrofitting targets, the Climate Advisory Council has said the government's targets are insufficient on this. And there is a huge connection between inequality between the change that's needed and we have to bring everyone together mm -hmm. and we have to ensure that people don't lose out but we can actually ensure okay. some people's standard of living is actually increased through the transition and have genuine you know change but also because that, it, uh, the biggest emissions are from the top those in the top all right okay unfortunately we have to leave that conversation uh, there for now my thanks to rory to mary to verona and to John, coming up after the break, cases of the winter vomiting bug are on the rise. Stay with us. Welcome back. The HSC has urged people to be aware of norovirus or vomiting bug symptoms following a spike in cases. For more on this, I'm joined on Skype by the clinical lead in infection control with the Irish College of GPs, Dr. Scott Walken. Uh, Dr. Walken, you're very welcome along to the programme tonight. Bring us up to date. Be aware of the symptoms. Vomiting bug, it sort of says it all, doesn't it really? Um, it's, it's, but what are we seeing, I suppose, in terms of the spike in cases now, that has people like you coming out and warning us about it? Well, the last couple of years, by virtue of the reduced amount of social interaction that we've had, has meant that all conditions that are transmitted from person to person, including the winter vomiting virus, or norovirus, as it's called, uh, are going to be less, less prevalent. You know, we'll see less of them. So now that, thankfully, social, uh, society has opened up again uh, and we're interacting much more, uh, it does mean that illnesses that can transmit it from person to person are going to be, uh, they're going to increase in prevalence. Uh, so that's that's the reason why it's happened. Okay. Uh, having said that, it is it is probably going to be higher than the pre-pandemic years, but thankfully, as an illness, although it is quite unpleasant, it's generally not a very dangerous one for the ma vast majority of people that are affected by it. All right. Um, how can we protect ourselves and reduce that risk of catching it? Because I imagine when it comes to things like the vomiting bug. It's pretty, it is pretty contagious just by the nature of the symptoms involved. It, it, you're right, actually, it's very contagious. Uh, I suppose the top 10 things that pass it on are fingers, uh, hands. So uh, hand washing will reduce the chance of the illness being transmitted. Uh, now, unfortunately, it, it does require soap and water, you know, so alcohol hand sanitizers don't work as well for the norovirus. It's quite a robust organism, uh, so it will persist and it needs uh, careful hand washing to get rid of it. OK, because we've uh, been told also... all about just when it came to COVID and all the rest of it, that that hand sanitizer in your bag or elsewhere was just a really handy way, um, I suppose, of, of keeping, you know, sanitized in this. But you're saying no basic hand washing warm water and soap is really what's required here when it comes to uh, norovirus. That's right. And hand washing is very, very effective for respiratory. It just doesn't work as well. Okay. All right. 
Okay, we're having a little bit of a breakup on the line there with Dr. Scott Walken, um, but I think we kind of got the gist or the main lines around the symptoms of that and really what to watch out for and uh, to mind yourself um, if you do fall victim to norovirus as the cases are on the rise, as we say. But we're going to have to leave it there for now. That is it from us, from all the late team here. Good night and do take care.